I'm Zach. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 227 of Video Games Hot Dog, the podcast that is episode 227 of Video Games Pot, Pot Dog. Pot Dog. Two, wow, that's a totally different show. B Baker Street. Uh, guys, there's yes. no Riff. Riff is Riff is in the jungle. Oh, I thought you said he disappeared into the ether. You, I feel it's, it's as if you've got a different story for each person you tell this to. Which jungle? Uh, the concrete jungle. <laughs> the the jungle of which it was said, it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Going under what? Going under is not a thing that happens to you in the jungle. It's like a jungle sometimes. It's it makes cool. me wonder how I keep from being Quicksand. eaten by a... Yeah, I think is the, the metaphor there. The snake. Amazon River. I, there's there's lots of things that you can go under in the... In the, the canopy. It's like a, like a river sometimes. The canopy of trees. But going under the canopy of trees does not is not like that's not a catastrophe. That's not a crisis. Quick, quicksand you... is supposed to be at least in those old timey serials. It, did you listen to the? Was it a Radio Lab that was just about how like no, yeah, no one's no scared one of quicksand under the anymore. Age of yeah, thirty five knows what quicksand is or talks about it ever. Yeah, yeah, I did. That's a good one. <laughs> um, what uh, what was their conclusion? Why why are we scared of it and nobody else is? It's just because it, it's only in old movies, basically. Because yeah, it isn't a real thing. Well, that and like, but it, but it wasn't a real thing then either. Yeah, it wasn't like it never. There was never anything that worked like that. This is it. Okay, so this is a a hazard that operates at a speed. <laughs> the listeners that don't is even know what it is. Optimized right. for drama, right? <laughs> like, like it's, it's maybe like, I could run back to camp and get a rope and get back here before you sink completely into it, but maybe not. Yeah. I saw, I think, a YouTube video of some Australian guy demonstrating quicksand and how to get out of it. Uh, it took him a real long time to get into it to a point where he was really in danger, though. Right. So, what was it? What was it made of? What if you just got into like a like a into Geb Pebcak or whatever that stuff <laughs> is called? The Ublek. Ublek. Yeah. It, it was a lot like Ublek. I feel like if you if you sunk real deep into a really deep pool of Ublek, you'd have a very similar time, a uh, hard time getting out. Uh, Ublek is what borax and it's cornstarch and lye. <laughs> yeah. I... I... <laughs> It's chlorine and ammonia. Man, dude, um, you, you were like fired from the science demo job. That <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I yeah, just make it a huge batch of oobleck. I thought that I thought that you made that non-Euclidean solid stuff out of borax and something else. No, just cornstarch and water. baking soda and vinegar. <laughs> yes, baking oh. soda and vinegar. Uh, we Jim, used to. That's fill- how you make a hurricane. Oh, right. It's really. A- I can see why they don't serve them in. In. Uh, <laughs> oh Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> New Orleans anymore. Right. Because no. that's a really disgusting cocktail. Yeah. We used to fill a kiddie pool full of uh, full of oobleck, so you could like you could like run on the surface. Yeah, of you it, could run across it. But then, if yeah, you stopped, I, I bet you could do that with quick, quicksand too. Yeah. Well, and then if you if you sank if you actually sank to the bottom of that little pool, it was really really hard to get out. <laughs> so yeah, I believe it. Yeah. You have to pull real slow. I think quicksand in real life is like just a specific mixture of sand and water. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Like quicksilver is a specific mixture of sand and silver. No. No, it's water and silver. No, it's a it's a mixture of surfboards and uh, surfing attire. Okay, that's just the same thing twice, though. Surfing boards and surfing attire. Did you? Do you have Riff's prosthetic beard hooked up again? 
Uh, Surfing a tire is that's that's a form of sketching, right? <laughs> I made a joke about sketching last night because there, we passed a restaurant called Mission apostrophe S Kitchen, and I said, "Oh, it's Mission Skitchen. That's uh, where you go to grab the bumper of a car that's driving by when you're on your skateboard." Right? Yes. Yeah. It, did anyone ever actually do that, or did, was that a thing that they made up for Back to the Future? I've, I bet I people did it after it. Back to the Future. I've I've wanted to like you do it get, in Tony Hawk Four to yeah to grab somebody's bumper because wasn't it it was also dramatized uh, in uh, what the hero protagonist uh, crap the oh in Snow, uh, Crash. Snow Crash yes right like that was how he got around right have we ever talked about how the protagonist of snow crash is named hero protagonist and that book sucks <laughs> no and and the the sidekick is named yours truly if i remember right yeah I, I i hated that book when i read it in high school and then i liked it when i read it again when i was like 25 it was sort of like the opposite of uh dirk gently uh-huh. right which i was i was sort of just left bemused by when I read it as a kid but then loved it when I reread it in my 20s. I should I should maybe reread that. I feel like I did not understand it enough as a kid. Yeah, I mean, I I read it right before I sort of got obsessed with Samuel Taylor Coleridge and then the fact that it's just like a lot about Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Also, yeah, anybody who at all. Oh yeah, like it's like the main character ends up being the traveler from Porlock that interrupts Kublai Khan. Huh. I mean, that's like a that is a conceit in a lot of things, but uh, <laughs> that the main the main character is is the traveler. There's just a lot of weird meta fiction surrounding that event being the being the one waking him out of his reverie. Y- yeah, I mean, which I mean, I think everyone is pretty much agreed. Like, no, he just fell asleep because he took too much heroin. <laughs> is what happened there? I mean, laudanum. Are you? Are there people who think that he was actually traveling somewhere? No, I mean, I think that I don't know that the person who showed up and interrupted him was a real person or uh, just an excuse for. Oh, I had half an idea while I was super baked, and this is all <laughs> all that I wrote down. It was a half baked idea. Uh huh. Although I don't think I don't think you would describe uh, being uh, under the influence of laudanum as being baked. Nothing really gets burned there. But you would say you were baked if you vaped. If you vaped laudanum? I guess you'd say you were baked if you ate like a pot cookie. Which was itself baked. Yeah. Unless it was a no-bake pot cookie, which doesn't do anything. What about a no-pot baked cookie? I feel like that's just a cookie. (laughs) Flourless pot cookie. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's gluten. This is a gluten and pot-free pot cookie. <laughs> this is just a, this is just a little disc of salt. I bet if you made signs they sell that said pot-free, that you'd have a lot of interest in whatever you were offering. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Kleinhoon wrote into the uh, listener's mail segment. Jim should occasionally introduce himself as Jim just to see if Kevin notices. For all I know, he does. <laughs> oh man, I miss going last. Do you uh do you have any fondness for Jim and the holograms? Uh no, it was something I was aware of as a kid but I never actually watched it. Yeah, me too. Okay. I heard that the movie was real real bad. 
Like not just a disappointment to to true fans, but also just bad in its own right. Well, they pulled it from theaters after like less than a week, right? After they, less they, than a week, I, I think so. Wow. They did some. They did. They did like an unprecedented move like on the part recalled. of the studio. Yeah. Do you think they're gonna wow. like redo it or? I don't know. Like that's the, I don't know why you. I don't know why you do that. Like because it doesn't. It seems very difficult for a theatrical production to lose money, although I guess if just no one is showing up to it, then it doesn't... Yeah, it's not going to make them any money the back. The is there, yeah, is there, are there any kind of like guaranteed minimums from the studios to the theaters about attendance, do you think? It, yeah, it does seem weird to me that it... Like, if we had a showing at the theater that I worked at of a movie that no one bought tickets for... I don't see how that cost the studio anything. Right. I mean, I guess the missed opportunity of them being able to put another movie on that screen that people would buy tickets to. Well, presumably, was, like, the theater would choose then to stop showing it and show something else. I don't else. know that the theater can do that. In my case, the our theater was did not have any autonomy over what... So it showed. The theaters huh. could have been pissed that they were having a bunch of empty screenings and the studio could have res- could maybe respond be like okay we'll just pull it oh something. so you think the studio was just being nice i don't i don't know i mean i doubt that there's it, it seems like, weird to me that like a, the movie studio ch- dictates how long the theater will show a movie for that's a weird system right because the, the theaters rely on the studios to produce things and to give them, I mean, in, in days past, like to give them the actual celluloid, That's, right, yeah. which were incredibly expensive and the theater spent more on insuring them. Because they were like, what, 10 grand or so to make? I was under the impression that they were like 100 grand to think, make. I don't think they were that oh, really? expensive. Maybe the, maybe the first, the master or whatever, but I feel like each individual print was probably not that that much. I mean, how much would... How many seconds is a is a movie? How do you get to a fucking calculator on a Macintosh? Nothing <laughs> makes any sense. I can't hit Windows R. Windows R. Calc. calc. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's <laughs> that's how I would do it. Run. So, all right. Ninety minutes times run DOS seconds box type times win. thirty two frames a second is one hundred seventy two thousand eight. It's not thirty two frames. It's twenty four frames. Uh, okay. Divided by thirty two times twenty four, uh, one hundred twenty nine thousand six hundred. So, how much would it cost to produce 129,600 photo negatives? But they're half, that's, they're half the size of a regular 35 millimeter negative. Why don't we forego all this calculation and actually just Google how much <laughs> the cost? It, well, it doesn't. I don't think that that's a simple question anymore because of theaters being digital, digital now. Well, yeah, certainly. Right. So now that costs nothing. So how many? How much would it cost to make how many photo? things how much uh 172,000 okay 172,000 so then divide that by like 36 pictures on a roll of film and then you don't actually have to get them printed you just need to get them developed right so and then you're doing it all at once in these giant batches i I still think it's ten thousand dollars yeah, I don't know. Maybe Probably. they just told us it was. They told us it was more money than we could conceive of, so that we would be careful with it. Didn't work. 
One time we were screening the movie Broken Arrow, which wasn't very good, and somebody had messed up threading it, and a big chunk of it got wrapped up in the projector, and it was late, and so I looked at this big wad of this movie that wasn't very good and just made the executive decision to just get some scissors and cut it above the projector and below the projector and just splice it together where it landed. I wonder if anyone... I'm sure I don't think so. I mean, I think there's several seconds of that movie did not get shown to the handful of people who paid to see the John Travolta, Nicolas Cage tour de force broken arrow. I had heard rumors might not have been in that. I heard an apocryphal story about um, projectionists each like taking a single frame out of a famous nude scene to the point where, like, after the film had made the rounds to various theaters, like, it had just entirely disappeared from the movie. I, I wonder how many movies have been shown where they just left out one of the reels, so it was, like, one-sixth as long as it should have been. Uh, I saw Back to the Future 3. Early form of time-stretching. Built up in the wrong order, so oh, really? the movie made no sense <laughs> at all, because it was a time-travel movie that was then played in the wrong order. That's so Like great. Memento. I also, I've told this story on the podcast before, I think, and probably recently, so people have heard this before, but another thing that happened when I was working at the movie theater is somebody put one of the reels of Sister Act 2 on, switched left to right, and our projectors had an optical sound system, so along the right side of the film was a little waveform that would just get read by this, like, light sensor thing, and so for, you know, 15 minutes in the... 30 45 minutes into the movie suddenly half of the screen was just a waveform and the audio just became this howling chaos as the <laughs> projector tried to interpret Whoopi Goldberg's antics as audio uh, they just thought that was part of the movie <laughs> well no i mean we just had to give everybody a refund and oh, okay. then spend like 6 hours rebuilding the film <laughs> nobody wanted to watch sister act 2 the night before the release which, like, if, it, yeah, if there was supposed a cool, to preview it. if there was a cool movie, everyone was really excited to right. stay after yeah, work at midnight yeah. and preview it. Make sure that the the print was to, together in the right way. Yeah, Did I it mean, really take six hours to rebuild the thing. Well, because you had to. It, if people didn't do a good job of using the little silver sharpie to mark on the edge of the thing where the real boundary was, then sometimes it took a really, really long time to find the splices. Oh, because huh. like you could spin the thing up really fast, but you couldn't tell where it was Shit. necessarily. Right. You'd have to kind of eyeball. Well, like, I think this is about where the real gap would be. And then you have to go through it really slow. I don't think it actually took six hours, but it just I didn't even think about that. Like if you do a good job splicing it, it's it, it'd be really hard to tell. And then you have to break it back down for shipping. Yeah. So, so, so what you do is you make a mark on the on the edge of the film with like a silver sharpie. So the movies are shipped on multiple reels and then reconstructed, reconstructed by the projectionist onto one enormous reel. Yeah. Or by, or by some high school kid that the projectionist tells to do. I mean, our theater didn't have a dedicated projectionist, so it was just, there weren't enough people. Like often the staff of that theater was me and one other person. Right. There so are, like, there are some really cool other things that you can do though. You can leave them broken into multiple reels and, uh, the projection system in my at my college where we would show movies had two projectors and it would just right. you would alternate back and forth, and what that let you do is then you could have a second screening of the of the film somewhere else like offset by one 
uh, one reels time plus a, a few minutes to run it to the other. Oh, oh that's yeah. amazing. Uh, we, and there were, when there are also, I think this, you might actually know this story. This might've been something that you guys did where like you actually spool it out of the, the projection booth in one theater in, into another projection booth so that you're like, yeah, like feeding it through two projectors sort of on a giant like loop, which is neat. Yeah, we did that with The Lion King when The Lion King was really popular and it was in the theater that I was at for six months or something. It was playing on both screens. And yeah, you just run it through one projector across this whole other set of pulleys that like, oh, so that's what those pulleys are for. Right. Um, This theater can do that. And it only ever did it for that one movie, your whole run there? Yeah, I don't think there was ever a time when another movie was popular enough because it was only a two screen theater. That's so neat. That like they had built a, an entire sort of like a complicated physical system for this thing that they just never. Yeah, and I mean, it, you know, it needed to be there needed to be some give in the system right. at multiple places so that so there that could was be crazy slack because you don't want to just you don't want there to be tension on that. God, that was like a a hard thing that I got really good at, and it that just is meaningless. That skill, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, I like, could, like probably manual. the muscle memory would come back if you put me in front of that thing now, and I would just be able to thread the projector. But like, man, I, I yeah, like manual drafting that sort of thing. Yes, never or like programming an assembly language and for DOS blindfolded. Yeah, working on Kingdom of Loathing. <laughs> You're still making a living doing that's, that. Well, that's true, but someday I won't be, and then it'll just be oh, this skills this skill didn't translate to anything. <laughs> I guess I got kind of okay at telling people what to do. I wonder, Kevin, get me a new job. Yeah, I wonder if like the <laughs> Smithsonian or whatever would want all of. Oh, our, they would hire you to keep running Kingdom of Loathing days. as an exhibit. Oh my god, that would be so great! World's longest running MMO. Uh, I mean, we got. We need to go pull the plug on Ultima Online and then outlast it and everything else. But we, you know, we're. <laughs> There's a lot of, there are probably a lot of MUDs that are still running from sure. before us. Dark Age of Camelot, I think, is still running. I'm, Asheron's, I'm just... Asheron's Call 1. Is that, we got, I'm saying, I'm making a list of the people oh. we have to kill. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, I'm glad we're announcing this publicly. So that uh, we, could out, we could like, just outlast them, but it's at least three or four years from whatever up. point they stop. Right. Okay, well. I mean, so, we're already older than World of Warcraft, so I mean, the, that heavy hitter is is already... Yeah, they can live. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. We like them. <laughs> so anyway, if any of the video game side dog listeners work for the Smithsonian, <laughs> uh, I'd like to apologize. The assassination division of Smithsonian. Thrensa says, in regards to genre in games, I hear the term fantasy RPG all the time. Is that the only one to get used? I mean, Mass Effect could easily be described as a sci-fi uh, setting ARPG game genre. What is ARPG? Action RPG. Okay. Right. Which I've heard referred to like your Fallouts well, and your I've, Diablo. Yeah, I've also used heard it used to refer to Zelda. What is mm. the Do people also talk about CRPGs which just means computer? Right? Computer yeah. RPG. I, I JRPG. I think I don't a think JRPG heard, is the opposite of an ARPG. <laughs> I don't think okay. I've heard uh fantasy RPG in a long time. As anything meaningful. Well, I mean, I've certainly described things, you know, sure. Divinity Original sure. Sin is a fantasy RPG, but that's so describing it, both the like setting and the... I, I mean, I mean I that's s- like two descriptors, not like a, a genre. 
I, you say, I mean, Thrensa says Mass Effect could easily be described as a sci-fi RPG, and, like, I believe that it is. Yeah. Yeah. These, I mean, these genres are, like, just constructs, right? Like, so, if, if we if we can say something and everyone understands what we're saying, then that works as a genre, right? I was once humiliated in front of an entire class full of people at a new high school that I had just moved to for believing that the biology classification genera was the same word as the word genre. Oh. Oh. Which makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah. If you think about it and just don't happen to know. Yeah. Is that like a false cognate? I don't know. Or I bet they do have common roots. Yeah. Yeah, you try explaining that to all the people pointing and laughing at you. Yeah, man, you that that is annoying. Like, yeah, because <laughs> you're just somebody who happens to have like had some ideas and then like made some connections in your brain, and a lot of the time that's good and useful. And occasionally you get some false positives that shouldn't be rewarded with human. Yeah, people are basically the worst. <laughs> that's my take on that. Mr. Fluffinstuff says, hey, VG dogs, it's almost Star Wars time again. What kind of relationship do you guys have with Star Wars? Is it great? Is it meh? Is it complicated? Somewhere in between? Cheers, Mr. Fluffinstuff. I really liked Star Wars when I was eight. Saw that movie a lot. Um, I stopped caring about Star Wars when everyone else did in the late 90s. Yeah. Do you think everybody else started, stopped caring about... I don't think I ever really stopped caring about Star Wars. I'm currently wearing a Millennium Falcon shirt. <laughs> uh, that's true. You are. Um, <laughs> I can verify this, listeners. It, did you do that intentionally, or is that just... No, it's just... I think I have two of them now. Because I, I had one and then my that I had bought for myself, and then my mom saw it and thought, oh, Zach would like this. Like, my relationship with Star Wars is sufficiently well-known by everyone that my mom just gets me Star Wars stuff. <laughs> My mom understands that I only want original trilogy Star Wars stuff, and she knows just enough about Star Wars to be able to identify that. Like, that's, that's a, a good, good mom, mom skill. Yeah, it is a good mom skill. I thought the prequels were bad, but I didn't feel that they retroactively ruined anything about the thing that probably singularly captured my imagination the most as a child and made me want to make things and. You know, sure, yeah. Like Star Wars fucking rules, and I'm hearing good things about this new one, and I'm pretty excited. And I, I'm not going to be able to see it until Sunday, I don't think. But yeah. I hope it's good. Yeah, I, mean, I would, I would like to see a good Star Wars movie. Ali Moss says it's good, and I trust his judgments about things. I, I do not trust his judgment about things if he says that they are bad, but I do trust his judgment about things if he says that they are good. Okay. So, you know, I like, I have a room in my house in Arizona that is just for Star Wars Legos. I'm in that room right now. Oh, you are? I had forgotten about that. Oh my God, how are they? How are my babies? Podcast recording studios. I've been staring at them this whole time. The Lego room, good. Yeah. You have the acoustics lot, you have in there a, are good because of all the Legos. Yeah, you right, have a lot right. of Legos. All the flat there. surfaces. <laughs> Engineers well, there aren't really any flat surfaces. I mean, if you think about it, a Lego, like, there's a lot of little nubs. Yeah, these are not, not, in, this, not, these in, are the not in S, uh, O, B, or whatever 
models in general. NSOT? New kids on the block? Yeah. No, snot. Studs not on top. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> These are not NKOTV Legos, <laughs> man. When I we moved into this house when I was in high school, and I had I had seen it when my parents were like I had come with my parents to look at the house before the original, uh, before the previous occupants had moved out, and what was to be my bedroom was the bedroom of like a twelve year old girl, and the walls were completely plastered with New Kids on the Block posters, and. On one big section of the wall, which had been in a lot of direct sunlight, the paneling after all of those posters had been taken down was just faded in the silhouettes of all of the new kids on the block. Oh, wow. So there's these weird human shapes <laughs> burned into the wall that I knew were the, the, the new kids on the block. The posters weren't human shaped, though. Well, no, it, it was like silhouettes ink. of heads and silhouettes of like them standing oh. all together in a row. They were like pulled from Tiger Beat magazine or whatever. Were they okay. like cut out or were they, was it just the, the head? No, they weren't. It was just, it was just, yeah, it was just the colors, the, the lighter backgrounds faded. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Was, I, I thought for a second you were describing like a new kids on the block standees or something. <laughs> that no, what happened is that is where the new kids on the block were standing when, when the, the bombs nuclear, fell. Yeah, right? So Pompeii. Man, there is a there was a pen and paper RPG that I was reading where one of the undead enemies was the shadow of a person left on a wall after a nuclear bomb and it comes to life and wants to kill oh, you. That's a, and I thought that was such a fucking cool idea. That is super cool. So that was like a like a magical realism post-apocalypse kind of a setting? I think it was the... Um, I think what it was was the <clears throat> weird variant of Deadlands, which was like a fantasy Western RPG that took place after a nuclear war that occurred in the fantasy Western setting. Okay. And then that had mutants and nuclear zombies and stuff. I feel like like Western as post-apocalyptic is a really viable style. Yeah, it's a low level of tech with like things that one guy can make. I mean, that's why I kind of like Western as similar to medieval in terms of an RPG framework in general is because it has a very comprehensible level of technology. Yeah. How come nobody, maybe let me back up. Has, has anybody made like a Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's court style game where the setting is like real medieval, but you come back with all of the knowledge of somebody from present day. So you could like build whatever or like do Science. If you brought that cheat sheet GIF with you. Well, sure. <laughs> that explains all of science. Yeah. The thing is, what could you do? What do you think you would be able to do? Oh, personally? Yeah. That's an excellent question. I mean, because you know how a lot of stuff works, but I don't think you could make a toaster. <laughs> Even if there was a place to plug it in. Maybe yeah, if you spent your no. entire, I feel like maybe if I spent the entire rest of my life trying to make a toaster in anticipation of an outlet being invented, <laughs> that I would be able to make a toaster. Yeah, I wonder if I know the, enough about. The outlet would be the much harder project. <laughs> right. I and think. like the power plant and the yeah. nationwide distribution grid. Yeah. Even if you just lived next to a river with a. You could construct a wheel. A toaster then, is actually not that hard because you just run current through a wire and it just heats up, right? Like, 
that it's yeah, the, you have to make it yeah, pop to, up at the end. You have to make a wire. Yeah. You, so the wire. Too. So like, yeah. So like, the, yeah. Like, like well, so first of all, metal like, is like metallurgy. Literally. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot involved. I mean, you've got, you could get like a silversmith and say, Hey, could you make me some, could you make me a real boring necklace out of copper? And then that becomes part of your toaster coil. Right. But then getting the power, so like, like I could, I could imagine sort of making some of the like really early, um, combustion engines, right? Like a Sterling engine is something that I could probably like describe and have somebody who knows how to work with metal make. So like that would be potentially really interesting to, to somebody at that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I definitely... If I got a chance to study for six months before I went back in time, that would probably make it a lot of difference. Yeah, or if you had access to the internet while you were there. Yeah, right. That's true. Send but help. then you could just ask somebody to come get you. Yeah. Hey, bring me a toaster. Yeah. <laughs> I want to impress these savages. Order, order it from order Amazon. Order from Amazon. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, have you guys been playing any video games? Yeah, I um, I. Have you guys heard of uh, retroachievements.com? No. This is a website where they have hacked emulators to uh, add achievements to old video games. And these are things that are like user created. So they, they use these uh, memory analysis tools to figure out like, okay, when this bit is set, that means you have this Triforce piece. So you get the achievement for this Triforce piece, that sort of thing. For the listeners, it is retroachievements.org. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was curious about this. So I signed up and I downloaded a, it's a hacked up version of FCEU, the NES one. Um, and I played a few games and it's, it's neat, but it's also kind of buggy. Like some, a couple of the achievements in like Super Mario Brothers, which you'd think was like one of the most popular ones, just don't trigger. And the comments section on that page is just all, all people complaining that these two achievements don't trigger. What, what achievements did they add to Super Mario Brothers? Uh, they, the obvious ones, like, I guess they're all obvious. Like, I, you, you find the shortcut, the warp zones, you, you, you get a, each of the power ups. Uh, you you kill things, the first or? Bowser with fireballs. You get the fireworks. Mm. Um, every game has um, two sets of achievements. Gets doubled up because you, there's one that allows save states and one that doesn't. Oh, huh, huh. Which is kind of cool. Okay. And that was a that was a fun way to spend a couple of hours. I don't think I'm ever going to go do more of that though. So that is all that is doing is taking an existing game and adding this like. Sort of, yeah, adding it like trick. a metagame to it. Yep, exactly. Okay, and yet it's like there's enough people excited about this that there's an entire comment section complaining when it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. There's, I think that has like the site has like ten thousand users. Wow, something okay. like that. It's a neat trick. It, and achievements are like they 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 work on a certain class of people, including me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, I mean that sounds fun to me. Yeah. Uh, I played um, Lifeline. Oh, I think okay. you guys talked about it. Yeah. Oh, that's the iWatch game that Colin made. Yeah. Oh, do we know Colin? We do. Yes. 
I've never met Colin. Uh, well, he uh, his company made it. Right? Yeah, okay, three yeah. minute three minute game. He was not. He was not the. Cre- it's one of sure. Kevin's frat brothers. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> he didn't write it. He he sort of came up with the the technology okay, behind it. Yeah, did a bunch of the engineering. He's also he was one of the founders of Instructables. Huh. Um. Yeah. Uh, it, it's basically a a twine game where there are real time delays when there would be in the story. So the premise is you get a message on your watch from someone who's marooned on a, on a planet. His spaceship just crashed. Um, and you make all of his life decisions for him. And then you have to wait for them to him to go do them and tell you, tell you the outcomes. Um, and it's, it's now also on iPhone and, um, Android. So right. it's, and it's cool and stuff like that. Are there sequels? That's neat. Yeah, they're totally different. Like the second one, I think, is about a teen witch. Okay, I like that. So. Uh, the protagonist is named Taylor, and I don't think the protagonist is ever as ever ever gendered. So I was just imagining Taylor Swift doing all this I'm stuff. Not Taylor Baywoo, it- <laughs> or could be Taylor Baywoo, but Taylor that Swift wasn't on security. That wasn't my head cannon. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I actually did finish it, and I don't think the concept really holds up like i feel like the the way that you interact with this uh story is not really conducive to the sort of things they tried to depict like this person is like sending spending a few minutes just sending you text messages during an action sequence basically yeah it doesn't really make sense um you don't think it's transcribed with by their computer or whatever? Maybe, but even if they're like, even if they're talking, like they need this person needs to act. This person needs to act right now. There's no time for them to describe the situation and ask you a question. Yeah, that's probably a bit of a weakness of the narrative form. Uh, well, it 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 just restricts the content that makes sense. Like they could have told a fully sensible story all the way through but it if it was about something else. Have been as compelling, probably, right? Well, I you'd have to come up with another form of drama. Hmm. Uh, yeah, sounds, I don't know. That sounds easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, I'm not a storyteller. That's 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 their job, not mine. Um, and so, I played. Um, oh, go on. I was gonna say, did you play it with all the delays? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. They let you turn that stuff off. I don't know if you need to, to find an ending first. I think so. I actually died real fast, or Taylor did rather. Um, so I got the option right then, at least, to uh, to play without delays. Uh, but I I just I, I chose not to. I chose to uh, to keep them going because I thought that was part of what makes it interesting. Yeah. That sort of messaging technology was the sort of insight that okay. Colin had. Yeah, for for sort of making the that whole sort of game system, which it's it's neat that it's like basically just a sort of like text adventure with some branching that it, it's just it just have this enforced time limit sort of drip of content kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, another problem I had with it was that it just got really really dense towards the end. Dense, like, m- in like terms of like time frames, so- shorter time frames and more things per uh info dump, more things per just chunk of text. Okay, huh? 
Uh, so I, I kind of wish that was paced better, but I mean, it, it's, it's a still a good experience and I bet they learned from it when they made the next ones that I didn't know existed. So I'll check those out. Yeah. I think, I think their plan is to release sequels with regularity at this point. They sort of spun up an entire division to just good. Work on that's, that. uh, yeah. It seems like it should be pretty reusable. Yeah. I think the technology is, and then it's just a question of like, can they find good stories and and writers for those stories right how are the sequels selling relative to the first one that seemed like a real zeitgeist explosion no that's a good question i don't could they they make one about a time ghost that seems like it would really capture the zeitgeist (laughs) maybe it'd have to be about like ghostbusters chasing could they make one about working at a pancake store I feel like that would sell like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should have said flapjack because it didn't have one of the syllables in common right. with hotcakes. <laughs> and I played, um, I think it was called Melissa, a game of choice, uh, which is by the team that's working on star Mazer, which I don't know how to, Imagos or Imagos. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and this is, a an FMV game with really high, production values like um it's a really simple uh it the 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 really simple subject but really well produced in terms of like makeup and lighting and um camera quality image quality Mm -hmm. um and it's a two button game where one button you punch the person in front of you in the face and the other button you look at your phone Okay. <laughs> so this is sort of like FMV McPixel. I, I kind kind of like, and I I I pushed the button and it punched the person in the face and I and it used the fist that was on the side of the button. So I thought maybe the other button would use the other hand to punch them in the face. <laughs> uh, but it used the other hand to like check off some to do items on my phone. Um, and then I didn't want to punch this person again because he seemed like he wasn't happy about that. Right. He wasn't leaving or anything. He was just kind of staring at me forlornly, which I bet is somebody's fetish. Um, to be stared at forlornly or to stare after, at forlornly? After, while being punched repeatedly. Okay. Um, uh, I tried, like, checking my phone again, and it did the same. Th- it checked off the same items on my to-do list, like get groceries. <laughs> do you have the option to do neither of those things and just let the... Well, what I ended up doing after that was it, like, after, like, realizing I needed to punch this guy to advance the story, I just closed the browser window, <laughs> and I considered that, and I guess I won this game. Yeah, that was your, uh, was your save the date ending. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like... That's that's actually exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> and, and, like, and, and, you know, I, I made up a little story in my head about how this guy went, I took this guy to the hospital for his bloody nose. Oh, that and then really you checked you. you checked that item off your yeah. Checked off take take Chad to hospital after punching him. Right. Yes. Like I'm Poor sorry, Chad. I, yeah. I don't know when Melissa came into the picture. Are That's you not a, Melissa? You're not Melissa. I guess yeah. you might be. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What were you punching with a lady hand? Uh, it didn't seem particularly feminine, but I think that might just be a production thing. Did the phone have like a pink case? <laughs> The phone seemed effeminate to me, but that's probably just because it's an Apple product. Oh, shots fired. You know, they've got the curves and the white. Ca- yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> it's, it's beveled edges. 
like, like women. A woman. <laughs> <laughs> did uh, did you guys see that uh, game that somebody posted in the video games hot dog forums called Elements, the Room Escape game Elements? I feel like I played that a year ago. It is expansive. Uh, it's really good. It is. It really is an excellent. Uh, it's like a just a classic Japanese style room escape flash game, right? Except it's in Unity. Oh man, that's uh, funny. Now I, whenever I hear room escape, now I never think about the on the one on the computer ones. Yeah, I only think of real life ones. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's it. it this one has a lot going on in multiple stages and clever puzzles, and it sort of teaches you a bunch of different sort of encoding schemes and stuff as it goes it's 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 really well crafted um so i can definitely recommend that maybe i just confused it with something that i had already played i, I don't know uh, you should you should look at it if you're into interested in that kind of thing it's it's boy i am it's a lot there's a lot of puzzle to it um i've actually been playing a lot of like puzzly games i uh I got this uh, cryptic crossword app, which has like 25 little sort of small cryptic crosswords in it called Word Burger. Um, and that's that was really fun. I've uh, been playing that, too. I, I, I've gotten through like the first like four of the puzzles. They are. They are difficult. And I think that there are some cryptic are. cross there. Yeah, but I think that there are some cryptic crossword like tropes going on that i've not ever seen before and also a lot of weird britishisms yeah the the british stuff was definitely the sort of thing that like hung me up the most um what can you give an overview briefly of what the like a what a cryptic crossword is and b what the differences are between american and british cryptic crosswords well the so the the to answer the second question first that's just the just the jargon like there are things that like just british ways of saying things and british ways of using english words that like make it harder for an american to understand what they're getting at um, i don't think there's fundamentally a difference between british and, and american uh, constructions of cryptic crosswords uh, but a cryptic crossword is a it looks sort of like a a crossword it's usually a lot more sort of linear with less um chunks of letters all close together like it's it's usually a bunch of like rows and columns that just sort of intersect at every other letter or so right um and the clues are not just a trivia question they are instead usually divided in half although you don't know where or they're divided they're divided into two sections one is just a an oblique one or two word sort of synonym or like a sort of definitional hint for the answer. And the other half is a complicated wordplay um, clue towards the answer. And you don't know which half it could be the beginning or the end. Um, and so there's, there'll be a lot of like hints towards the facts that, that you might be like anagramming a section of letters or that the, the answer might actually be hidden amongst the letters that you've, that you're presented with, or uh, it could be, um, like take the first letter of all these these four words and that's the answer like there's just a bunch of a bunch of potential ones there they're like maybe 10 or 20 different kinds of 
cryptic crossword clues and you just you basically have to learn what the varieties are before you can start to see them um, yeah, there's so, a lot of weird vocabulary, like yeah. this word means an anagram of the word before or after it, and this one. Can you give an example from one of the easier, like, can you think of a one of the clues in the first couple of puzzles of that that is illustrative of how a cryptic works? Yeah, let me, I, let me actually just pull it up and look at some of the, um, let's see here. So, okay. Um so the this clue is some cackled about deer right so that's and that's a it's the it's looking for a three word answer a three letter sorry, word. three letter three letter answer um and so some cackled means that and i only know this sort of in in retrospect or like i don't it's not like i see this and immediately i'm like oh this is obviously what it's saying right but um some cackled it to me would indicate that you're using some subset of the letters of cackled. Um, and in fact you are because the, the definitional part of that clue is deer and the answer is elk. And so some cackled you're, you're looking, you're taking the K L E and then the word after that is about, which means backwards. So that's where you get the E L K. Does that make sense? Yes. In retrospect, I solved that without understanding that about meant backwards. Right. So that's so like that one is using two two separate things. Like it's it's you're pulling letters out and then you're looking at them backwards. So like sometimes it'll say, you know, left because you read it from from right to left instead of left to right. Or sometimes it'll say up if it's a, like a, uh, like the the orientation of the, the word can can impact how the clue is written. So like if it's up a lot of times on it, like a downward word. Sometimes that means that that's backwards. Um, let's see. So yeah. So then like, f- here's another one that's a five letter word. Uh, and the clue is fairy number nine tucking into pie. Um, and so the, the definition part of that clue is fairy. Uh, and the answer is pixie. And then the sort of wordplay version of it is number nine, which is IX, which is the Roman numeral for nine, tucking into pi. So it's P-I-E, where you insert IX into that, which gives you pixie. Right? Yep. Um, So then there's also, there's like clues where it's like... This is uh, some real nerd shit. I, I mean, so in Britain, this is, this is their like... This is what they do instead of cro- regular crosswords. Yeah, right. So it's that's that's it's like a culturally fascinating difference to me that that's what like English folks think of as a crossword, right? I like them a lot because they don't usually rely on knowing any sort of trivial facts and when you get the answer you are like 99% sure that you're right because you you've got two things to verify it. Right. If you don't understand the weird pun part or whatever, though, yeah, that's can be really frustrating. Well, and so like, that, I that, think this is right based on how it's fitting into the puzzle, or in the case of this app, because it has not told me that the letters are wrong, which right. is what it would do. Yeah, I turned all that hinting off uh, so that I like was I was trying to make it as hard for myself as I could, so that I would really have to like grok and understand the 
the clues because I just I, I don't do a, a lot of cryptic crosswords, so I really wanted to sort of kind of I'm I feel like I'm sort of training for the mystery hunt since it's coming up next month, um, and so like I wouldn't you wearing move weights on. while you think about stuff. Well, and I just wouldn't I didn't wouldn't move on to another thing until I understood why it was correct. Um, so it's I, I think it's a good way to like to to get some experience with. Um, this app is a good, is a good sort of, not exactly introductory cryptic crossword thing, but, but a good training thing if you've only done a couple. Yeah. Cause even the easy ones are kind of hard. Yeah. Um, that's played, word burger. Word burger. Yeah. Uh, I played some more, a good snowman on iOS cause it's, it's out now on phones, which is cool. I just bought it to support Alan, but didn't play it. <laughs> um, and then I played uh, the gu- the guides part three is out, so I started solving those puzzles and am stuck, sort of nine nine puzzles in or so. Uh, Did this, you get gray out? I got gray out. I am stuck as fuck on that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like the first four or five were like super straightforward, and then I am I just hit a wall. <laughs> mm. I feel like I hit a wall maybe. 25 in oh wow so i like what I, that i am completely stuck at so this this is a it is a prequel to black bar um it's another game by nevin mergen and in this one you are getting some communication <clears throat> you use it is revealed that you are paralyzed it's not sure it's you're not sure how you're communicating with him but i it's like you're speaking except you have this aphasia and so you just get this cloud of words and you have to sort of figure out what sentence you need to say to advance the story like with black bar it was figuring out what word you needed to type into the blanks to advance the story this is figuring out okay out of all of these words many of which are there to just set the mood and tone and to be red herrings or are the words red or herring um so it's it's just a. It's how like would using you descri- context to to sort of figure out what you're trying to say. Like what is the, what would this character say here? Uh, and, but like I'm stuck on a puzzle where like, I just I I have tried hundreds of different things that sh- I I feel like are reasonable responses and not gotten past it, and I just don't know what I'm doing wrong. I was really surprised when I stared at a puzzle for like five minutes and nothing happened to help me. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, because Nevin was just talking about Black Bar and the ways that people got stuck there. And I thought for sure that this would. Would hint you you somehow, right? Yeah, just shake one of the words that's in the solution. Because I think there's only one solution. To yeah, every screen. That's, that's my that's my assumption as well. It's uh it's frustrating. Like like I it's like there might be some sort of insight I'm just not having or or like yeah, I don't know. You're like four or five in? Uh I am at the one the background is still orange and it's the uh I imagine that right now you find it challenging to form sentences, choose the right words, say what you mean. Is that right? And I feel like I've tried. Does it have like hurt and brain? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I remember that one being kind of tricky and I don't remember what the solution is. 
Anyway, you'll get it. It's a cool game. I'm hoping that when I come back to this, I will just see the sentence that's that I'm supposed to be saying. In the one. But there's several different characters that you interact with and you just you learn things and it's very uh you know, it's very like dystopian. Nevin's a cool dude. Yep. Gray Out is the name of his cool game that came out today. What about what about you, Zach? Have you played other things besides Gray Out? I have. I played uh, I played a game called Curse of Isios, I-S-S-Y-O-S, which is a game by this studio studio called Actually, I don't think it's a studio. It's in fact I know it's not. It's just a guy, but he goes by Loco Malito. And I believe that he's a native Spanish speaker. Um, his other game that he had made that I had heard of was called Maldita Castilla. He makes these games in Game Maker that are very much sort of love songs to like ghosts and goblins epic epoch arcade games. Um, so they are simple platformers where you're just like a guy and you get different weapons and stuff. And this one is kind of based in Greek mythology. And I played it up to the second boss who killed me. And then I had apparently gotten killed three times. And so I had to go to a continue screen to use one of my limited continues to start over at the beginning of the level. At which point I was just like, I'm not going to play this anymore. (laughs) And I really appreciate his sticking to the aesthetic that he's sticking to, but I think there are elements of the design that shouldn't have been stuck with necessarily. I mean, the game was free and, you know, I can't fault the guy for making the game that he wants to make. He talks about on his website, this principle of wanting games because he's a guy with a family and a day job and he wants games that you can play in like 15 to 45 minutes. That's what he's shooting for. Yeah. And the fact that a game ostensibly coming out of that philosophy would make you replay a level all the way from the beginning because you got killed at the boss seems really like it's not. Well, I think you're supposed to try again tomorrow which is the next time you're free. From the next your, time you go to the arcade. <laughs> right. Or the next time you're free from your yelling kids for a moment. Yeah, I guess. You know, I don't know. It just, what struck me about it was that the levels were not hard, but the bosses were right. And they're just like, learn this pattern bosses. I mean, you know, they're, they're like platformer bosses where you have limited mobility. They have attacks that seem overwhelming until you figure out when to jump or where to stand or whatever. You know, it's like just like a Castlevania boss. Right. But like you have to get killed a couple times to learn that. And if you get killed, you get killed a couple times by the boss of the first level. And then you play all the way through the second level, gathering all of the keys that you need to get through this thing. It kind of, it reminded me a lot of the Goonies one for NES, Hmm. the way that it played. Um, except that you had some different power ups that you could get. And I don't know. He, you know, he, he talks about how he likes putting secrets and stuff in the games. And I just, did you find any secrets? I don't think I found any secrets. No. No, I didn't find anything that would really qualify as a secret. Uh, but, you know, I just don't think I'm going to play it again because I don't feel like it is. I don't feel like I can trust it with my time. Yep. Um, and that makes me sad. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the reason that you kick people back to the beginning of the game is to improve replay value, right? That's ostensibly like make them put in another quarter so they don't finish the game in one try. Well, it's not the beginning of the game. It's the beginning of the level. No, but then you run out of continues. Did. You're back to the beginning of the yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's... Uh, and there are we have better ways now to improve replay value. There, you could have a score attack mode. Does Dark Souls ever make you do a bunch of shit before a boss fight? They tend to put bonfires before a boss, right? No. No? No. Often you will have to run past a bunch of stuff. Well, you fight or run past a bunch of stuff to get to the boss. Hmm. Yeah, that's part of the cost of dying in that. I'm not convinced that's a good idea, but it never really bothers me. You I mean, always have the option to, for a lot to of people. fight stuff until it doesn't spawn anymore, right? To clear yeah, it's in Dark us. Souls 2. Dark yeah, Souls 1, Dark Souls 1 doesn't have that. And do you, do you, I don't think Bloodborne has that either, so it's really just the second game. So wait, so in Dark Souls 1, can you just uh, farm indefinitely to get more souls? Yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's just boring. Yeah, and it ends up being kind of diminishing returns as it costs more and more and more and more and more, and you need to start going and fighting harder enemies to get more souls. Yeah, and honestly, like, the player skill makes so much more of a difference than than character, character level. Fascinating. This is going to come up again in the River City Ransom discussion. Yeah, I was just to say, I feel like this, this, is, uh, this is very relevant. I don't have I don't have any other I mean apart from just playing a million games of Hearthstone like I do. Oh, I finished Fallout 4. Oh. And then was dissatisfied with the ending that I chose and just decided to join the army and I went back and I I went to the earliest save. I went to the latest save that I had before I made the choice that made me the enemy of the Brotherhood of Steel and then just joined the Brotherhood of Steel and I'm just doing what guys tell me now. Oh, huh. Um, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, how's that it's playing? Fun. Out? I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to see the content, right? I like I got to go up onto their cool airship and like meet a bunch of well developed NPCs and do a bunch of quests. Oh, you just wouldn't have seen any of that if you yeah. had stopped. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's and you know, I like I will at some point not probably go back and not betray the institute and see what the rest of that looks like. But, you know, it's not I don't know. It's I'm at that point where it doesn't really matter because now my my experience of it has save forked. And so none of this is real, you know? Yep. it's like, yeah, it's weird to think about when you're when you're making these decisions that seem important at first, that only lasts until you go back and change a decision. And then psychologically, it's just. That whole aspect of it is gone. Is this why I just don't care as much about real life since I figured out how to save and reload? <laughs> okay. Can you put that in the strategy guide? I would, I'd like to have this information. Huh. Yeah, I guess. God, but what if you accidentally quick save right before you die? Yep. <laughs> You're yep. doomed to relive that slot? moment. Yeah, how many it's- slots do you get? Nobody knows. Guys, because like you'd want to quick save right before you were expecting to have some like awesome sex. But then later, you'd be like, well, shit. Do I, God, do I re-quick save? It's probably never going to happen to me again. Anyway. You just Groundhog Day everything over and over and over again. I want to get the hardcore achievements, so I'm not saving. The uh, assignment. Are we ready? Yeah. Yeah. 
River City Ransom for the NES. It's a brawler with RPG elements. It was the first game that I'm aware of that, like, added RPG elements to another genre. Which super interesting. It was very, very forward looking in many ways, actually. Like, it has a difficulty selector. Yeah. yeah. I played it on normal difficulty or easy instead of hard and never found any non-boss enemy that didn't die to a single dragon kick or whatever right. the powered oh, wow. up kick was. Yep. Um, I, what I did this time, cause I, I played a lot of this when I was a kid. I just read the like most direct game facts walk through and just did it. And it was like, I bought two items at stores. Which were the, which two? The, the thing that turns your kick into three kicks and the then the cowboy kick. boots. The Texas boots. The Texas yeah. boots. Yeah. What, yep. are, what are the Texas boots? Do? The Texas boots just max out all of the stats you have that are relevant to your kicking. Wow. Um, you get real good at kicking if you get those two items. Yeah. That and they, they, it's like $150 total or $130 total. I did on, like fuck on up top my of the fifty dollars you spent on the game. I, fu- <laughs> <laughs> I fucked up my save states and ended up having to grind for milk a little bit, uh, and then later pizza. Oh, you know, now that I think about it, I'm sad I didn't play this game after discovering retroachievements.org. Oh yeah, I bet it had some. Yeah. Um, you, Kevin, described the game as being as feeling as really feeling expansive. expansive. Yep. Because and I, I definitely remember it that way. Like, so I, I didn't look anything up and I just kept like fighting guys, finding like little side areas, would fight those guys, would find a town, would like grind up some more currency so I could like heal up and then keep wandering around. Like, it, like there were branches both in terms of the like overall structure and you could, and also you could go back and like buy different things. Like it was just, there just felt like a lot of different options and not knowing what things were going to do before you bought them and stuff yeah. being super expensive compared to the amount of currency you had at any given time. So like that, it felt even, like a really big choice. Even the most basic gameplay systems are in some ways very mysterious. Like I would run out of health all the time and not die right, until I fell hit, over hit one more time. Yeah. Well, they, they have to knock you down. And even then, like, Maybe it's based on willpower. Like, if you have enough willpower, oh, yeah. you get back up and you get yeah, some health back. I don't really understand what willpower does or what max power does. I think max That's power is your max, max HP. Points, yeah. okay. But then, like, some items increase it, but but, but they can't because health. it's maxed out. I think you have to. Be there is a weird formula for, oh, for how okay, much max HP something will give you if you eat it while at max health. While not at max health. Well, not at max health. Yeah, it, like I, I read. I thought about reading this weird convoluted set of sentences on the podcast from GameFAQs, but then it was like, eh, this, it, it's just going to seem like I'm making fun of this guy, and this guy is just trying to describe math with words, which right, is yeah. not easy. Every, like, it, it really seemed like they were going for a kind of Warriors vibe where there were all these different kind of flavors oh, yes. of gang, mm-hmm. but... They just didn't have enough pixels to really differentiate them, so it's Come just kind of play. like you're. It's, there's a, they have fighting colors, the same guy over and over and over yeah. again. They have names. Yes, the, the different gangs have names like. that correspond that then correspond to like individualized sets of stats. Like every oh. every character in the game has like ten 
numbers that define Ow. all of the things that and, they're good at. Like, and like how some, effective is it when they swing a weapon? How effective is it when they throw something? What do you? What do they say when you kill them? Yeah, there, <laughs> it's there are a lot of like little sort of dialogue things that you like kind of flash on the screen, so you you can read them, but it clearly can't be important because it doesn't stop and wait for you to, yeah. like, to register it or anything. But those stats are more or less meaningless because... Yeah, you just drag and kick them and then they die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kept I, yeah. I, uh, I kept trying to increase my weapon stat. I found like a, a lead pipe or whatever and that I liked how far away I could hit things. So I, I kept trying to do All that. the game facts say the trash can is a really good weapon, especially once you get grand slam technique because then you can hit people with a trash can three times. Oh wow! <laughs> what one thing that was also very futuristic about this game—that's not the word I'm looking for—is that um, forward-looking. Fo- not it's not forward-looking either, though. This is a technical thing. You can stand on the trash can even when somebody's holding it. Mm. Oh, huh? And it's I, weirdly systemy. Yeah the the fact that the physics system is that robust is interesting to me. I did not realize that you could jump until I got to some the, hideout or whatever. And the factory yeah. that you had to you had to jump to progress. Yeah, yeah I, I, like, well, I remember. Okay. Did you ever figure out how to sprint? Uh, I did it by accident. Yeah. 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 No, I, did I, you ever I have to sprint. I don't think so. To get, to use some of the attacks that you can unlock, the like acro, oh acro circus, circus whatever yeah. you have to. There's spend. a there's a moment where like there's an elevator, there's a big gap in the upper floor, and the on the lower floor oh, there's huh. an elevator leading up to the right side of the gap, on in a, in a room I'm thinking of, and if I remember right, the only way to get back across the gap is to sprint and jump across it. Mm. I th- so I think like. In order to backtrack, and sometimes you have to backtrack to find one of the four bosses to unlock the last level. Um, so I think you actually do have to be able to sprint and jump to finish. If I'm the game. remembering correctly, though, that room that you're talking about is in the high school at the end. So it, it, I remember it not. I remember being uh, like in the warehouse. Oh, okay. I don't, yeah. Then maybe it happens again in the high school. I only spent a few minutes there. I did. I you, was, did you beat it? Yeah. Point, yeah. I did. Yeah. I I was. Another way that I feel like this game is kind of forward-looking is that it, on easy mode, it's actually pretty easy. Yeah. Like, I, I did use save states, but I don't think I needed to. I think I could have beaten it with only another, probably, I spent like two hours or three hours playing it. I, with another hour, I probably could have beaten it without save states. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that happens when you get killed is you lose half your money, so it's right. just grinding progress. Right. It is weird that there's RPG elements, but... The only way you increase any of your stats is by buying stuff through a really cumbersome menu. It yeah. Really They're like, do you want this to like to order <laughs> to, to, to consume something? Yeah. You have to say yes, no, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> like. And some some things you can't eat at, at the location. You have right. to go. You have to leave and go into your inventory. I really like the eating animation. You just eat the like, cup or whatever. You eat the entire plate of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, I liked that one of the things you could order in one of the shops is you can ask the shopkeeper to smile. And then you blush. Yeah. Which, yep. Like, what? That's not how that works. You're, you can you you're get some little pixel them. dude nudity or yeah, dudity that, that, if you go get a sauna. The sauna sequence. Oh, yeah. And that's, you, you'll, you'll do that a lot because when you fight Benny and Clyde 
for the second time, that's a pretty good place to grind money. Yep. And you can just run into the sauna and heal up if you I, need to. I thought that was actually a pretty clever set of names. Benny and Clyde. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the whole premise is that Slick has kidnapped your girlfriend, and I don't think you ever see Slick. Well, Slick is the stage name of the final of the guy you meet at the end who's oh, your old friend of simon simon yeah okay yeah that is, is that stage story, name isn't the right word is that story beat revealed i i maybe did, like, I just, did we know him before I might have, had we met simon before i i think i think he says you know him it's your old friend simon or something like that was in the final his girlfriend there that also feeding you information because she's on your side yeah roxy roxy what, what? there's an optional room like you can go see your girlfriend at the end but i didn't i didn't know that yeah there's a there's a branch in the last floor of the high school where you can go into the room and talk to cindy or you can go to the end and fight simon i didn't that's interesting i should check that out that I, one thing I found completely by accident that I had no idea when I played this as a kid was, I think Merlin's Mystery Shop. Oh yeah, or the, Melvin's something. The wizard who lives in the highway underpass. Yeah, where you I think just, that's just drugs. Uh huh. <laughs> You're just buying drugs from Col- a guy called Excalibur. Excalibur. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it's apparently just really expensive, really powerful items. I didn't try buying any of them, but it you you find this location by walking into a nondescript wall, which oh, opens huh. up like a door. And that is, I think, the only thing like that in the game. I was going to ask think if, so, there were, yeah. like, if there were secrets, because I didn't find anything. That's I, As far as I know, that's the only one, which oh. makes it pretty special. It is not entirely clear when a side exit is a wall and when it's like... Yeah, going there's that. Area. And if you if you run at it, you like can hurt yourself. Well, and and the camera. Uh, I was thinking about that um, Mushroom Eleven document about camera controls. Oh yeah, they really the, the creators of this game really needed to read that document <laughs> because the, the the way they handle camera is you you get to like the right quarter or the left quarter of the screen before it starts scrolling and. A lot of the time, if you're moving towards a, a wall or an enemy, you just don't have time to react to it before. Yeah, especially if you're sprinting. Right. Which I might have been what they were going for, right? Because otherwise, you could just sprint through the entire game and never fight anything except the bosses, and you'd probably be fine. You'd need to grind up to get the Texas boots. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Do you think you could beat the, the final boss having gotten no upgrades? I bet you could. Huh. It seems pretty deterministic. Yeah, none of the fights in the game, I think, are that hard. I, I don't know what it's like on, on difficult mode. But especially with the, those two upgrades you mentioned. So when you read a book, it stays in your inventory with a little Octothorpe next yeah. to it. Yeah, like when you equip boots. Did you try? Yeah. Did you try throwing away the book to see if you lost the ability? No. I thought I'm, about it, but I, I didn't want to lose progress. Right. Same. I was wondering if, if... I mean, you could have just save-stated it to try it. But. Yeah, I guess I could have. Because, I mean, some some things disappeared, like a comic book or whatever, just gave right. you stats and then disappeared. So, like, is that just there to let you know that you have that skill? Well, it's taking up a slot. You only have, like, eight inventory slots. Oh, huh. I never hit the limit. 
Yeah. Again, though, like it's weird that there's that limit, but it's not really going to come into play. Yeah. You know, it's like weird that you have all these stats and they don't really mean anything relative to your ability to just play this brawler. This is my theory. My theory is that the brawler is not a sufficient mechanical genre to add any interesting RPG elements to it. <laughs> right? Like, wait, I'm I don't know if, I don't... what you're going to think about, say, Aztez. Right? Because that is a brawler game that has, like, an empire management sim attached to it. Oh, well, sure. That's... Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. That, that's, that's a different... That's a different beast. It... I don't know if you guys had this experience, but when I first discovered arcade emulation, I was really stoked to finally be able to play through the entire Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. And f- fuck is that boring. Really? Yeah. It's oh, it, just like nothing ever happens. Right? Quarters- nothing ever changes. It's it's like it just doesn't ever like it's just the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And the only reason that like it, it is just paced really really well for the first couple of quarters and that's it Hmm. right because that's all almost anyone ever saw right like you're like oh there's some cool bosses but then like nope there's like three more of those and that's it like yeah the arcade the the brawlers especially arcade games tend to be real quarter suckers and the like i think we've talked about this before but like they're not really possible to get good at like it what, the, you, you your, are always at a disadvantage it's like designed your, such that you're going to take your hit points are effectively a timer right you know, for how long this quarter lasts and you're paying for you know, the you know, the the experience of seeing all the rest of the content can you not like is it not possible to beat teenage mutant ninja turtles on a single quarter i would like to know because i I it never occurred to me that you couldn't get good at it. Like Gauntlet, your health just goes away even if you're not fucking. Yeah, yeah, right. But and supposedly it's possible to like get find health. Yeah, find food up food quickly enough to stay alive indefinitely. But it seems tuned such that that's really difficult. I wonder if in Gauntlet. Uh, if you have more players playing, there's more food spawns. So, like, with four players, there's enough food for one player to not have to get pay quarters or whatever. Huh. Oh, yeah, I wonder. But I don't... I'm, I'm just hypothesizing that. I don't know if that's real. I remember I was pretty excited when the Scott Pilgrim game came out on Xbox Live Arcade, but then I played it for, like, a half an hour, and I was like, ah, this is really boring. This is just a brawler. Because it was just a brawler, and it was real slow-paced, and... It definitely was River City Ransom influenced. Yep, for sure. So, Castle Crashers. Yeah, that I finished with friends. Yeah, me that too. That was a lot of fun. And I think that was a lot of the collection aspect of like all the different like familiar And it had significant things. level up stuff. Like that that stuff made a difference. And and very frequent, very large scale set pieces yep. that were interesting content. Yeah. And, and varieties of mechanics. That would be an incredibly long arcade game. The little uh, the little familiars that you would collect were also yeah. really cool. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that I think that had a lot of sort of ancillary compulsions. Right. Making yep. you continue to play it. But it wasn't the mechanics associated with what the player was capable of doing were not that complicated. It right. just had a tremendous variety of content and it was cute and funny. Yeah. A lot of fun to play with multiple players. Like did did any of us great. play River City Ransom with two players? No. I did not. Yeah. What about historically? No. I only ever play this game on an emulator. Right. I'm trying to remember. I can't actually remember if I have played it co-op or not. Yeah. Does it spawn? I wonder if it spawns more enemies. I don't think so. Because you the, only ever see two at once. A lot of the danger is because being that's, surrounded that's sprite on limit. two sides as mm. a single player. Like having two players seems like it would be much simpler. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, this was honestly the... The brawling mechanics were actually pretty good. I was surprised how how much agency I felt like I had in different attacks. And how this is a good a Nintendo game. Yeah, yeah, it really was super impressive. Honestly, like for all the like little faults, like the sort of tedium of interacting with the menus and stuff. Like this company made some other games that used the same style of sprites, including. This dot like super dodgeball, yeah, which was one of my favorite Nintendo games as a kid. Yeah, I remember like, that. Being it good. was really really fun, and there was also like there was some beach volleyball game that I really liked. Huh. There there were just like a handful of sports games that were so well done that they like kind of rose past my not really liking sports and <laughs> became just NES games that like Blades of Steel. Yeah, did you was ever play like really good? California games or I did not like California games. Like I thought the hacky sack was kind of fun, but that was the only one I ever figured out how to do anything with and it was the sports game that I played a bunch of was TNC Surf Designs. Oh yeah, where you could be a ape on a surfboard. <laughs> yeah. And I I I don't remember why we bought that game, but I think one of the selling points was that it's basically two games. You've got the surfing game, which is kind of crappy, and you've got the skateboarding game, which is kind of crappy. But you could skate on a surfboard, which is great. You, I don't think you could use the surfboard on the skate content. That would be kind of... <laughs> could you sketch on a shark? <laughs> <laughs> See, these games that you're describing are way better than the game I played. Uh, we didn't come up with an assignment for next week. Correct. No assignment, guys. I was uh, I was wondering if maybe you guys would be interested in playing Don't Starve Together. It's still in early access. Um, yeah, okay, let's play fucking Don't Starve Together. All right. Okay. This is probably going to be end up being the the game that you described, where you go back in time with the knowledge of how to build things from yep modern technology. Exactly. This is totally uh totally Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Don't Starve. Well, you guys, despite not really being enthusiastic about any assignments, <laughs> still good podcast. Yeah, I've had a good time doing episode number 227 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And until you do, keep your soul close to the television and keep tonguing the telephone. Wow. Is this a, is this a new list or is that just something I haven't heard before? It has been for like a month. 
Nice. That's a that's a good uh, good addition. Telephone tastes like plastic. Do you remember that uh, part of Nightmare on Elm Street where Nancy answers the phone and then the bottom of the receiver turns into Freddy Krueger's chin and he says, I'm your boyfriend now, and then licks her face? Yeah, I, I, I saw that as a gif long before I saw the movie, so it's kind of the only thing I remember. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's a classic it's good, line. It's a good it's shot. A pretty good part of Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah. Bye, guys. Have Later. a great week, everybody.